Hi, welcome to this episode of Parent Driven Development. I am Allison McMillan, and I'm here with my friend Mandy. Hi, I'm Mandy Moore, and I'm back, and I am here with my friend Kay Wu. Hi, I'm Kay Wu, and I am here with my friend Andy. Hello, I'm Andy, and today we're joined by Abby Phoenix, who is the executive administrator at Ruby Central, who put on uh, the two major Ruby conferences uh, in the US, um, RubyConf in the autumn and RailsConf in the spring. Um, they're the oldest and most established conferences for the Ruby community. Uh, she oversees the overall execution, including strategy, communication programs, and really long emails. Outside of Ruby Central, she spends time volunteering uh, with political and refugee support groups and chasing two younger daughters. Welcome, Abby. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. We are excited to have you. So I also organize conferences, a small conference in the UK, not as big as the uh, as the big Ruby Central events. So I've got a perspective on childcare at conferences as well. Abby, so when did you start offering childcare um, at the Ruby Central events? Our team, uh, we we're always interested in having childcare at our events, but we really started thinking about it more actually and, and making it a reality before uh, RubyConf 2015. We had just added a new staff member, which is uh, my coworker, uh, Heather Johnson. And it, it really gave us the ability to have them, you know, the resources to do so because as we had anticipated and ended up being the case, it actually is a decent amount of work and coordination to add childcare to your conference, which is, it's not impossible at all, but we're very grateful to have somebody <laughs> new and, and very you know enthusiastic to take it on. And so we started it with RubyConf 2015, as I said, which, and we have uh, been able to feature childcare at every conference since then. So now I believe it's been six conferences that we have had it at. And, you know, as far as we're concerned, it's really going to be something that uh, would be a staple of our conferences going forward. So and just to be clear, the uh, Ruby Central events are typically multi-day, multi-track. They're, they're a big conference, right? Like what sort of attendees are we looking at? They here? are. Yes. RubyConf is in the fall and it is approximately 800 attendees and it's always over three days. RailsConf is in the spring. It's a bit larger. It's about 1,200 attendees and uh, it's also over three days. So when we are looking at bringing childcare to it, we really had to make some decisions about um, how all in do we want to go. And we decided to really go all in. So when we were looking at adding childcare, we were looking at adding it for all three days, full childcare, free to our attendees. So something where we're really taking on the cost and uh, having it be on site and something that really is a comprehensive offering. I have not planned childcare before, but I have used childcare at Murphy Central events and I've sort of written a little bit about it. We have an upcoming episode that will talk a little bit more about, you know, being a parent who brings their child or children to to a conference. But um, one of the questions that I sometimes get from organizers, because I'm fairly visible and visible in the fact that I have brought a child to a bunch of conferences, one of the questions that I get often from organizers when they're starting to explore this idea is like where to start. For them, it sort of seems really overwhelming, especially if they're um, an organizer that doesn't have children. It seems like really sort of overwhelming to figure out like where to start even thinking about, you know, putting something like this in place. So how how did you guys go about it? Like, where did you start? 
Absolutely. That's a great question. Because <laughs> we were also similarly like, what are we going to do? Actually, so what worked for, out for us is you essentially, especially for somebody who is an organizer, you treat it basically as any other vendor. So in our case, where we like to start is to go to our conference venue, which for us is um, at our size is typically a convention center and sometimes a hotel. And we ask them who they have worked with before. And that really helps in a lot of ways because usually if it's somebody who they have worked with before, ideally they recommend them. But usually it's also somebody who has worked in that space before, which is good because they have the relationship already. They probably, if they have had any issues, uh, they've been worked out. I mean, frankly, they know how to get there, which (laughs) when it's the day before, the morning of the conference or the day before, you want somebody where you don't have to worry about the childcare providers, uh, you know, getting lost. Um, It's frankly a time when I think for almost every conference organizer, every minute is really important. And so just knowing that you have somebody where they can get there, they can um, know, you know, the layout of the space, know where the room is, all that, which seems really a minor thing is actually really important. And so normally we start with the conference venue and ask them, who would they recommend? Um, we also will ask more widely for recommendations usually because a lot of times the venue really only has one or maybe two people, uh, services that they know. So we will also ask usually people we've wor- been working with already. So the tourist or convention bureau in the city, the conference hotel, if we're at a convention center, we'll ask the hotel that we're using as well. Any local user groups uh, that we you know may know the local scene a little more. Once in a while, they've used childcare providers for their meetups um, if they're kind of a larger group. And we just kind of go from there. And I think using those sources, we've never had a situation so far in the cities that we've been in where we haven't been able to find somebody. So, I mean, and that's lucky, I think, to some extent. But I think in general, it's a market that childcare for events that is small but growing. So it's, it's worked out pretty well for us. So I've tried to organize um, childcare for my conference in the UK, and I... It was much harder. Um, it's a such smaller conference, and obviously I'm in my hometown, so I had that benefit. Um, so I was able to find providers. But yeah, I think you. I mean, your your situation is different again because you're finding a new venue each time. So like, if I need to provide childcare next year, I can just go and ask the same people I asked last year. But you obviously um, the Ruby Central conferences move around. Absolutely. So I mean, our conferences are always in a different city, and. There are some benefits to the fact that we're always in a slightly larger city for the most part, one that they've heard of <laughs> groups <laughs> wanting childcare for their events, things like that. Not always. There have definitely been times where we've had a little more, we never get resistance, but where people are like, oh, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> but we, in general, we've, we've never had anybody say to us, like, that's definitely not something that we can do. But for us, you know, we do have vendors that we work with for our conferences where we bring them. from conference to conference. It's nice because you can build a relationship in that way. And also there's a bit of a shorthand when you've used a vendor before from conference to conference. But for this one, for childcare, there's so many benefits that we find to using somebody who is local to the city that we don't even try. It's so important to have people that we know know how to get around the city and, and will show up. Because unlike for some other things that happen at a conference, if you have parents attendees to the conference who are really excited usually to go to the opening keynote and they have their children with them and you thankfully have never been in the situation but where if you had to tell them like well the person who's watching your child is is late (laughs) it's a it's a really big deal and we we definitely would never want to be in that position 
So for us, it's important to have somebody who's local and is more, you know, likely to be there. We work with services also and not, it's not, we're not working with individuals. And so when we work with a local service again, and we have had this situation where they tell us the day before, like, oh, you know, the person that we were going to send is actually the caregiver we're going to send is, is not going to be able to make it, but they are able to replace them easily again, because they're local, they're not traveling to get to that city. And then in times when we have needed them to bring any equipment, and in this case, when I talk about like child equipment, I'm talking like pack and plays. I think we had one provider who brought like mama roos, like something, you know, fairly kind of fancy and stuff. They're able to kind of bring that in themselves. They're driving it in they're They can take care of it. And so um, for us, we end up using somebody local every place we go. For a conference like yours, Andy, where... Um, where you are able to, you know, it might be harder, it sounds like, to find a service, but if you find them and you like them, you get to keep them. I feel like you kind of get the best of both worlds there, right? Because you have all the benefits of being local, but you also get to build that relationship in that shorthand, right? That, that, that's definitely the theory. That's definitely the theory. So how, how have you found the, the take-up in terms of, obviously, Alison has, uh, has, has used the facilities that you <laughs> provided at, at Ruby one. Central. We got at least one. So, um, like, I don't know which kid it'll be, but <laughs> well, at least one of my children will be using it at RubyConf. So, absolutely. So, so how, what's the take up that you see? So, Tim, it's not that many people in terms of numbers. So, in, um, like I said, our conferences vary from about 800 to 1200 people, which is a lot of people. <laughs> and what we end up at the end in reality having is typically about five to seven kids. Per conference are in the childcare room. When now getting from that first point, though, where we have we know that we'll anticipate this many attendees to getting to the point where we have this number of children, it always varies and in, in the months before the conference. Because what we do is we actually make a part of a registration form to say to tell us like, do you want to potentially use childcare? Would you have any need? So we have a yes and no answer, but we also have a maybe. And frankly, a, a lot of people end up kind of saying, maybe, I'm not sure. If you're buying tickets to a conference two, three months before the conference, you just might not know. And even for people who are traveling, where you think that you might know, I think that a lot of times it's just a more last minute decision as to whether you can essentially make it work. And normally the situation that people are in where they might bring their kids, they might not is that they really want to, and they're not sure if they can make it work. It's never like, a, I might get stuck bringing my kids. <laughs> it's always that they would like to have their kids with them at the conference, and yeah. then they end up telling us whether they can or not. Um, yeah, there are a lot of extra logistics that go into bringing a child to a conference. Absolutely. And I do. Th- and what we have noticed is that a lot of times, the logistics also involve whether they bring another adult. Right, because um, childcare is something that we're able to provide during the conference, but there are all the times outside of conference programming time where the question being like, is there somebody else who can kind of help coordinate them at nighttime, or even just coordinate the travel of getting them there? Because it's never uh, an easy task to travel with children anyway. So we end up having, uh, like I said, like five to seven kids, and I would say not necessarily are all of them there the whole time. So we have three, we offer three full days for three full days of the conference uh, of childcare, but we definitely have had parents where um, they use it more on a drop in, drop out basis. So they'll bring their kids for maybe an afternoon or a morning or 
especially if they're at the conference and they want to see some sessions specifically and, you know, they, they'll spend the rest of the time, they'll take their kid out. Or if they are in a city where they know some people as well, we've had that situation where people will bring their child to the city, but then they're visiting with like family, you know, the child is for one day and then they use the childcare for the other two days, things like that. Devin's been doing conference childcare now for a while. He's, he's been to a bunch of conferences. And I will say that I have noticed in the time that he's been in conference childcare, definitely an uptick. Like there were his first conference or two, like he was the only kid. And then I've seen gradually more and more conferences. Like there are more and more folks bringing their kids to conferences, using childcare. Like I think that it was in Phoenix that at some point I walked into the childcare room and there were like seven or eight kids in there. Like it was like a oh, lot wow. of, like there, there were like a, a good amount of kids in there. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. Like, you know, cause it's also when there are more children in childcare, it's more fun for the child as well. And so I, yeah, I did want to say that I have noticed that I think that it's being utilized more and more. And I've also noticed that I get asked more questions about it more recently because people see us at conferences and they ask me, you know, they, they usually say, oh, you know, like I've, I've thought about bringing my child before, but I'm stuck on this or I'm stuck on that. Or, you know, Abby, like you said, there are sort of a lot of maybes, you know, so I've been able to like answer some of those questions for them just about what the, you know, what the pros and cons are. You're like our childcare ambassador out there among the parents. <laughs> I mean, one thing it's been really important to us is that regardless of how many families uh, and attendees and, and children use the service, we also offer a lactation room, which is a very easy offering to have as well, which we launched at the same time that we did childcare, so in RubyConf 2015. And usually we have one, maybe two people using a lactation room at any uh, conference, which is a room for pumping or nursing. Regardless of how in this, you know, general, relatively few people use it. Visibility, which I think Allison, you touched on, is huge for us. It's big for us to have it be something that is known in the community, in our community, that we offer that people can use. And that's another reason why we are really trying to commit to it for a consistent amount of time going forward. Because somebody may see it and they may think, oh, I'm not going to use it this time because either I don't have children yet or I just wasn't able to bring my children this time. But it lodges in someone's brain then, I could use this in the future. This is something that is available and it really opens up a lot of doors where people might be a little bit nervous. And I think also they see, when you see the parents who are using it and it seems like it's fine, right? Like I think that so much of, parenting in general, frankly, is about being like, can I do this? You know, and the nerves and then you see somebody else do it and you think, all right, maybe, maybe we could do this. Um, and it really kind of putting that narrative out there is, uh, is something that we are fairly committed to. I, mean, I think is... also as a conference attendee, like, so I, I actually didn't know about the lactation room support. And I think that's a matter of like, before I had a kid, that was not something that I necessarily noticed or just like knew that that was a thing that you need to do and now sure i was like every trip i plan i'm extremely obsessed with plotting out all of the lactation pods and 
the airports and the layovers that I had Absolutely. scheduling, getting enough ice. And so now it's like very top of mind. But the childcare portion, I, I was aware of that, even as an attendee, just seeing that around, I think I always ha- ended up with an impression of like, oh, hey, like this is an event that people are willing to bring their kids to. And that says something about the kind of event that that is and made me even before I was a parent, like more comfortable, I think. Absolutely. And I will note too, that the lactation room, (laughs) as uh, the months before conference, our team, we're all remote. And so we have weekly planning calls. And we've gone back and forth a lot on on what to call it. (laughs) I would say, let's see, I think everybody on our team on the Ruby Central team is a parent except for one or two people. But we all have kids of varying ages, which means we're all varying number of years away from having lactation <laughs> be a, a, a reality <laughs> of our past. And I think at various times, too, there in the past, there have been different things that that is called or just different terminology. And so we actually had had a lot of conversations before we committed it on signage as to what really gets the point across. And yeah, I mean, there's a certain amount of realization that if it's not part of your reality, it doesn't really matter what it's called because it's just like words. You know, but for people for whom it is reality where you're like, oh, my God, did I just see that says lactation that? okay, Mm. noted. And yeah, so we went back and forth between calling it like a mother's room we felt was one, a little too gendered, but two, also a a little vague. Right. And then a nursing room doesn't cover pump. And anyway, we settled on lactation room, which I think is generally like the terminology you'll see uh, in some airports and more public locations. So. Some places will sometimes call their lactation room or the, the room where people are supposed to nurse or pump or whatever, like a meditation room or a restroom or whatever, which is like, which is lovely. But if I walk in there to pump and someone's like laying down taking a rest, like they need to leave because I have to pump. Like <laughs> I like I like the fact that it's like, you know, like the the purpose of the room is for lactation. And I think that sometimes that's something that some organizers don't quite understand. They're like, oh, they just need like a quiet space with like, you know, a plug or something. And it's like, no, there's, there is like a little bit more that you, that you need than like just that. But also like it, it needs to not just like, it needs, you need to have some privacy. Like it needs to be a little bit more than just like a quiet space or a meditation room or a wellness room or whatever. And far be it for me to anticipate what uh, what other parents, mothers who who have been through this, uh, what they're feeling. But I have never found the process very meditative. <laughs> I mean, it is a uh, real. I you know I I remember I was working in office when I I think the first time when with my first child when I was pumping, and it's always it's it's sweaty. I mean, you're you're like you're just trying to get all your things together, and it just personally, I found a little, it's a stressful time. And so uh, I don't, I think meditation room is both inaccurate, um, as well as definitely, yeah, confusing in that way. So for for what we do is we tend, like I said, we only have one or two people at a time who use it, but say we have five people who want to use it for a conference. We have the room be locked and we have the key. If we have more than one person who uses it, we will keep the key up at our information desk. And we have not had to move to the place where we have to do a schedule or anything. But certainly, obviously, that would be the next step if we had more people. But with two people, we just hold the key and have them bring it back. And then we give it out to the next person when they need it um, and so on, just to make sure you're never going to get walked in on is, is my personal guarantee 
to anybody using their lactation room. No one's ever going to walk in on you. Do the rooms usually come equipped with a fridge as well? We have a mini fridge put into both rooms, childcare and the lactation room with our venue. You know, I mentioned that almost everyone on our team is a parent. Um, Heather and I, who both work on this, my youngest is three and hers is, I think, just turned two. So I think that we had the benefit, especially when we were getting started, of being parents who very recently went through this. And so, you know, you forget a lot of things as you go on as a parent, sometimes on purpose. <laughs> you forget about, I can't wait to forget about. I cannot, I, my youngest is three. I was just saying to my husband that we're, we're going to start potty training this weekend. I cannot wait to forget about diapers. I do not want to remember how to change a diaper ever again, like in a year, 20 years. Um, but you, and then, you, and then you, can about, f- you can forget about wiping bombs then after that two years later. So that's, that's the other thing. You, know, yes. you, you move, you move then, on from, there's more to forget after the things you want to forget. That's, <laughs> that's what we have to bear. That's what parenting's all about. Wait. I think it's I, the only way that the human species continues. Like, <laughs> we would all just like every generation would have. I have to say, after I had my first daughter, my mom came to help and she was like, oh, I don't remember how to do this. And I just, oh, I looked at her. I mean, I believe that she actually forgot. It had been like 30 years. Uh, but I looked at her face. I'm like, I cannot wait to forget. I do this like eight <laughs> times a day. Um, but yeah, so you, thankfully we were, we happened to be in that place. We remember a lot of those things. So like, yes, absolutely. A fridge, mini fridge, very important because um, you do not want, I, I do remember the, the dread of feeling like you were going to waste any milk you pumped, right? So, <laughs> oh um, yeah, we have a mini fridge in each room, and you know the lactation room tends to be one of our smaller rooms when we're looking at a space. But we just say we just need somewhere comfortable to sit, a table, an electrical outlet, and a mini fridge. So it's very easy from the conference planner's perspective, as long as the venue is willing to give you a room. We've never had a problem. And to be fair, again, with a bigger conference, we're usually paying for and booking so many large rooms to begin with that it's no problem. They'll, they'll give us this for, you know, I don't, I don't think we typically pay much for the room Yeah. for childcare. It is a little bit bigger. We definitely want to make sure that there is, um, you know, electrical outlets <laughs> in the room. Um, and usually we don't need a ton of furniture because the childcare, uh, service will bring, uh, toys and they have kind of their own, you know, set of what, how they want to play. But we definitely make sure that we have a mini fridge in that room as well for snacks, uh, milk, formula, baby food, things like that. I'm curious, what have been the biggest challenges of providing either childcare or lactation room? Basically, these things that sort of cater to parents. Like, what are things that you like wish you could provide that you feel like is just too difficult or you're like not quite there yet? So I think that one of the biggest challenges and this is, I think, something we've just worked out over time is that because we are using a different vendor every time, there are things where, especially earlier on, we didn't necessarily know to ask. And now we have a long laundry list after doing six of these of things that we ask. And sometimes we hear back from childcare providers like, yeah, of course, you know, but it's always any question we ever ask any vendor really is because there was a situation, right? <laughs> but the biggest challenge then is just dealing, I think, with the different ways that people have of doing things. All services are not the same. And actually, they've all been really great. And I think everybody has been very dedicated to being in this business because they want to take care of children. And I, I very firmly do believe that. But there have been you know, different levels of professionalism or just services provided. And so our 
second time that we did this was in Kansas City uh, for RailsConf 2016. And, you know, we just didn't know to ask we uh, about sleeping. We are having our conference mostly all day. So during a lot of nap times for smaller children. And we didn't find out until the day before the conference. Literally, I was like on site in Kansas City. And we found out that the service did not provide pack and plays. They didn't provide travel cribs, cots, really any <laughs> surface that uh, babies would, would need to sleep in. And I, I don't remember exactly why, if it's perhaps that they had never dealt with childcare of smaller children or whether they just had dealt with clients who were able to provide this on their own. But um, there's a lot of scrambling on our, we just never thought to ask. And so there was a lot of scrambling on our parts to, in, in that uh, situation, find a separate service to provide the equipment, you know, and at that point, obviously, we knew exactly how many pack and plays, how many cots we needed, but we would have taken anything. <laughs> um, and we ended up calling, you know, uh, I guess th- there are services, especially in some bigger cities, that are, are for parents who travel. So, you know, once you tap into that, where they are the people who will come and just deliver pack and plays and cots, and I think we were able to get that covered, but it was obviously an extra level of coordination and stress that we wouldn't have had to go through if we just sort of asked earlier. <laughs> um, and so I think that that has been a little bit of a learning curve for us as to kind of not assuming that uh, everything is taken care of. So now we we may be a little bit aggressively asking <laughs> from the start now, but where you say like, you know, do you bring your own equipment? So when you say toys, what toys do you bring? <laughs> um, you know, if the venue can provide a TV with a, you know, DVD player or something like we ask, like, can you bring things for that? What's covered under that? We have never had this be an issue, but we also always, you know, have had to ask our, our childcare providers what their insurance policy is, because if, especially with, you know, small children, if their insurance policy is different than one that we have for our event as a whole or for or the venue has, that's something where we might have to purchase additional insurance or, or buy that. And that thankfully has not been, like I said, an issue, but it's definitely something where once you realize that one thing is not assumed, you really start thinking about all the things, right? Like, you know, what happens in this scenario if we don't have this or that, that, that sort of thing. What do you wish you could provide? What are the requests you get from parents or ideas that you all have had in the past? Um, like, what do you wish you could provide that, like, hasn't, uh, you know, hasn't taken place? Right. So one thing that became a fairly common question pretty early is parents who were really enthusiastic about the childcare and bringing their kids to childcare, but they were like, you know, it's during the conference. So what do we do at night? Obviously, you know, we take care of our children, (laughs) but especially for a lot of kids where, you know, knock on wood, that's all kids, but where they sleep really well at night (laughs) and they are able to, essentially, they're going to be asleep in the hotel room. But as I think anybody who's been to these types of conferences knows, a lot of things happen at night for conference attendees. There's a lot of parties, there's a lot of dinners, there's... and. To one extent, yes, it's just it, it seems like it's a lot of light socializing, but really it's a, a large part of the conference experience that we and other conference organizers, I think, really promote. And so for parents who are attendees who want to go to that, that was really a big need uh, to have somebody, you know, stay with their, ch- especially if they're just going to be asleep in a hotel room, right? Like to stay with their children at night or to, to watch them at night. That's not something that 
we thought about when we were thinking about it um, with our team, that's not something that we're able to provide ourselves because, you know, it's just, it's a totally different scale in terms of coordination. But we were able to, at that point, at least start asking our childcare providers earlier on in the process. Once we had signed a contract with them, like, listen, here's a situation that we've encountered. Is there anything that you can think of to do? And a lot of them have been able to say, oh yeah, you know, now that we know that you need that, uh, we can provide a, uh, a form that they can fill out if they want to engage one of our individual child care providers for nighttime care. I mean, once they realized that we were saying, listen, we want to pay you more <laughs> or we want to have our attendees pay you more uh, for this need that they might have, they were very open. And so that's something that we wish that we could provide, but um, it's definitely something that we are able to provide have been able to provide a lot of times kind of through connecting them with our uh, childcare providers. So I have an, sort of an interesting angle on this. Like, so I have um, at Brighton Ruby, I've been running it for four years um, and I've offered childcare a couple of times um, and done the work to find out who I would use and what they would do. And, you know, I, equally I'm in a similar boat to you, Abby, and that my kids are, I'm, I'm still, they're still young enough for me to remember the dark times. So I was able to have that discussion, but th- for me, there wasn't actually the take up from the, um, from the parents in my audience. My supposition is that it's a smaller conference and it's a single day as well. So I wonder, I think you're the Ruby Central ones are always midweek, right? As, as well. So there wasn't in the working week. It but varies, I, but yeah. But I, I feel like the partially the lack of take up, um, has been because people already have childcare arrangements sorted out. You know, the people that they've got kids going to, you know, going to daycare or going to school even or any of these things. And I have it during term time. Um, so I, my supposition is, is that's why I haven't seen the take up, even though I have offered this service to attendees before. Do you, do you think that's something that you see? Have you noticed differences depending on the time of year or, uh, the days of the week or uh, do you not really see in, in the numbers any sort of patterns? For you. That makes no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think for one day too, it's easier to say where it's easier for the parents for, and for the family to figure something out outside of the conference, right? Um, I will say that it seems like a big deal. I've obviously I've never used our conference childcare, <laughs> but my sense I've gotten from our parents who are attendees, it's something that they really want to do, as I had said before, but just figuring out logistics can be hard. So I can see how for one day, especially if you're living in the same city, it's like, you know, it's too hard. I don't want to burden the conference, um, no matter how much you're saying, like, it's not a burden, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for me to just figure it out on my own. But on your other point, for our conferences, they're always during the school year. They are in April or May for RailsConf and November for uh, RubyConf. And yeah, I, I actually don't see too many children who come who are school age, for example. There is certainly variance, and we have had older children, but we tend to have a lot of parents who are bringing, uh, you know, babies, children from anywhere from under one to right about five before it's a bigger deal to take them out of school than it is to take them out of daycare or, or even where typically they would be home, you know, and so it's it's an easier jump then to be like, well, I'm going to be here for three days. I'm going. My child is going to come with me. Because of that, I think that we've really ended up having to tailor the childcare that we provide to really be more of that age range. Like it, when I was talking about fridges, like, yeah, if we had, you know, five, eight-year-olds, I don't really think it would matter if we had a mini fridge in the room, right? 
or pack and plays, that sort of thing. But yeah, we, we end up not having too many school-age children come. And I'm sure a lot of that is because we're not during the summer. We're not during any holiday breaks. That's my case. That's why I've been pretty quiet for this episode because that's exactly my problem is public schools these days. If they miss more than so many days, then you're in trouble with the district. You're in trouble with the state. It's not fun. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, as much as it may be a great experience for them to come with you, yeah, that's where you really weigh the benefits and the drawbacks where it becomes a big deal to use childcare then. And then it's kind of like, well, it better be great (laughs) if I had to take my school for this. (laughs) That's what I mean. Like if I, if I brought my daughter to a conference, like I'd want her to learning some tech and stuff like that, you know, as a nine-year-old, like, do they, are they going to have some sessions for her where she can sit in and learn something like, you know, but that's, that's a whole other issue when it comes to childcare conferences. So this is not something I've had at one of the conferences I've organized, but a good friend of mine, Paul, who runs Tito, the ticket provider, and also runs a terrific conference called All. The time I visited that in Ireland, he has it in a large hotel separate from you know any towns. It's right, right in the middle of the countryside. And he had several families with older kids, which is the first time I'd seen teenagers and, you know, eight, nine, ten year olds as well. And they had like a kids track, which I just thought, I mean, Paul's terrific. His conference is amazing. And they had like a proper kids track and there were events for them and stuff like cool Lego stuff. And I was like that this, you know, Paul knows how to run a damn event. So (laughs) big shout out for Paul. Yeah, that's that's super attractive. That's like, you know, an educational trip. You know, that's allowed once a year. So, I mean, I would definitely love to pour out. But I I mean, I wasn't doing conferences when I was an early mom because I was still working on my career and getting established and being able to afford to travel to conferences. So I don't have much experience with, you know, the younger stuff. But I'd love to hear the opinions on even during the summer, like taking your kids to conferences, like how to engage older kids who are seven, eight, nine, ten years old to keep them busy while their parents are off in sessions or even socializing or stuff like that? I wish I had an answer. Um, I was going to say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to speak from what I saw at, at all. Like, as a conference, it was very much, uh, it had a more festival y feel. Like, the more I, I run a very straightforward, single day, pretty standard Ruby conference with, you know, some software engineering and all that stuff in. Um, and so therefore there is less, and it's single track, so there's less sort of room around it to allow for older kids to get that educational stuff. With the event that I saw, it was much more, it was a late start. Um, it was, uh, the evening thing was part of the day. They had a keynote in the evening. So like the families would come and eat and then the kids would go to bed and then there would be a keynote. So like the whole day was structured more so a family could come. So he also like sold uh, significant other tickets because part of the event was very much the socializing in a much more organized way than I have ever attempted myself. I feel like it also depends on the age range of your, you know, who's in childcare. Like I know, I think it abstractions, um, which was in, in Pittsburgh a little while ago, like I feel like they had a good number of sort of older kids in childcare. Uh, and I remember seeing pictures and hearing parents talking about how that provider like brought all these like cardboard boxes and they like spent the day like building these like 
really interesting like fort structures and ta- you know working together and talking about building those and that sort of thing and so i think this is like a critical mass thing as well right like when even though Devin's like younger, when he was the only kid in childcare, I think that what they did was different than like if he's one of, you know, three two-year-olds in childcare sort of thing, right? Like the way that the providers, um, what they can provide in terms of activities and structure and what the day looks like is very different. That That's definitely true. When I took uh, my daughter to Alter Comp in New York City, uh, she ended up being the only child in childcare and she was seven at the time. And she was really into Pokemon. She's also really into doing YouTube videos and stuff. So they set up like a a backdrop and they, they made props for her Pokemon stuffed animals. And they kind of like did videos all day recording. And they did some pretty amazing stuff. But since it was just her, they were able to cater to just her needs. Absolutely. I would say that when we have had the, for RubyConf or RailsConf, when we have had the rare scenarios, I would say, where we have an older child... Um, who's come, I've definitely heard from their parents, you know, the question of like, will you let us know if there's anyone else, his or her age coming? <laughs> because it really, it has really, it really helps and changes kind of their, their experience as well. And we've had parents where they've told us if it's a bunch of two year olds and uh, my child's the only eight year old, I will probably actually take them out and sit with them more in sessions or, you know, we'll go out more um, rather than if there is somebody that is a little bit more of their peer that they can hang out with in the child care. Definitely. That's, that was another question I was going to ask. Like, is it okay? Because I've never really asked this before. Like how do conference organizers feel about keeping your kids with you during sessions? Like if they're just playing on an iPad or drawing or something like that, is that a big deal? I think it's a case by case basis for us, but when it has been asked, um, I think that it's really dependent for us what, you know, like we're not in the habit of restricting access, right? So if somebody says, like, I think my kid would be really interested in this, we've had one scenario where somebody said, listen, my child is a programmer and is really interested in this. He, I believe, was 13. And in that case, we were like, well, you know, will he be attending all the sessions for the most part? Will he be eating lunch and all that? And I think the answer to it was basically like, kind of, yeah. <laughs> and so in that case, I think we did like a, a discounted ticket for that person. Um, for a situation, Mandy, like you're describing where it's really where the kid's not there. Yes, they're taking up a seat, but they're really there to just sort of absorb and have it be something where they're, they're sort of functions as attendee, but not really. Um, in that case, when, when that has happened, we tend to just make it a free ticket to give the parent that flexibility. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a, I tell a lie, I have had this situation before. Uh, a friend of mine had to go and pick up his kids in the middle of the conference um, and then I wanted, uh, still wanted to make Avdi Grimm's talk. Um, so he brought them in and they just sat in the audience and were just baffled as to why their father found things so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, I think in general, our even outside of children, our policy is always, if somebody is coming for just one or two talks, or they're really there as a, a convenience to the attendee or the speaker, we, we usually include that as a complimentary ticket. Like if they're coming to see their mother or father talk, if they're coming because their mother or father in this case really you know wants to be in this talk and it is going to be much more trouble to find somewhere else for the child to be, of course, like to, that, that's kind of across the board. Um, we would just do that in a complimentary. Yeah, human beings first, right? That's the point. We try. (laughs) 
Um, so I'm interested um, in mm-hmm. the uh, the sort of costs um, that you've you've found uh, across like six years six events of doing this, and whether you've uh, expecting attendees to pay for this stuff, or I mean, how has it worked out for you guys? When we were first considering doing childcare, that was definitely a big conversation that we'd had. I I think that it can be. I, I I don't know exactly what the perception is, but I think that sometimes at our larger conferences, especially people do tend to forget that we are a nonprofit um, and we, you know, are there in service of the, of the community, in this case, the Ruby community, but we're also, uh, we're, we're also, you know, using the money that we make to really be really careful about our budgets and everything. So that was definitely something that we were trying to be very conscious of. But what we had decided was as a community service, which is really a, a, what we envision childcare, the lactation room, at our conferences being, it's not something that we personally felt like we could charge our attendees for at all. So when we were talking about it, it was definitely an all-in or nothing type moment where it's either we were we wanted to provide full and, and complimentary. Um, that was really important to us. Partly, I think, from what I noted, that it's really a community thing. But also, specifically, and again, this is our experience as having been parents who, I think, had all used childcare at some point is the recognition that for an individual parent, it's really, really hard a lot of times the decision to put your child in childcare, which is not to say that it's the wrong decision at all. Um, I have two kids and I, frankly, my kids are six and three. They've been in childcare since they were like five months old. It's still hard. I mean, the first time I, uh, I still have memories like six years ago, I was sitting in like a Starbucks parking lot when my older daughter was in her daycare trial for like an hour. And I basically sobbed for an hour in the car. And I'm sure a lot of that had to do with uh, hormones, (laughs) Um, but it's still, it's very difficult. And so we want to make that decision as easy as possible for parents who are attendees to be able to say like, listen, use it or don't use it. It's free. It's not something that you have to think about or justify, you know, having to pay anything for. The other thing, though, is that it actually logistically is much easier for us to say that it's something that's fully complimentary rather than chasing down. Um, I do a lot of chasing down via email, usually of people for all sorts of answers um, leading up to a conference anyway. But to chase people down to say, like, listen, hey, it's $50 a day. So are you using it or not? Can you give us that $50? How are we processing that? It's just removes that. So, um, yeah, we always considered it being uh, something that would be complimentary, just answer that question and have that be be done. We found in terms of the cost to us that, you know, we're in a different city every time and cities have different costs of living, which we always find anyway in the terms of like our catering, our AV, etc. It's actually been really consistent, surprisingly. We're always ready for whatever. And I think I kind of alluded to before that we don't necessarily have like eight options to choose from. So a lot of times we are a little bit limited and we have to say like, okay, well, this is the cost it is. This is the cost it is. But in general, in the U.S. cities that we've been in, it's always hovered kind of around like the 1600 1800 for fewer than 10 children in a room for three full days. Typically, our childcare providers send two to three staff members. And it, it, that's something that we have generally been fairly prepared for. And, and it's reasonable. I would say the only exception to that that I found is in um, the one or two cities that we have been in where it's been more expensive have tended to be also the ones where it's a more foreign concept. 
So where we really only have one viable option, I mean, I guess that makes sense with the market that it has tended to be more expensive. Speaking as someone who's uh, both run events and sort of attended RubyConf and RailsConf where there has been childcare, I, frankly, I think it's a good thing for a community to do. It, it very much opens up, you know, speaking as a proud Rubyist, it very much says like, this is the sort of community that we are. Like, we are human beings first. We are aware that people have children and have different needs at different times in their lives, and we can all help chip in for that. So I think it certainly makes Ruby Central stand out to me. Definitely. All right. So I think we're, uh, we're going to wrap up now. Um, if anyone has any genius or fail moments from the last week. I've got one. It's a genius, which is very exciting in my world right now with a three-year-old and a newborn. <laughs> Those are few and far between. So my daughter is... 12 weeks old. She's had sort of a rough couple of weeks around like 11, 12 weeks. It, there's like a lot that goes on like developmentally, physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever. So she's had a little bit of a rough couple of weeks, which means that I've had a little bit of a rough couple of weeks. She loves being bounced on a ball. So like when you you have like a big exercise ball and you sit and hold her and, and bounce. But for me, like the bouncing gets really exhausting and tiring and, and and whatnot. Uh, so the other day, she seemed like she was really gassy and really fussy. So I put her, I had seen this like somewhere before, and it came to me in a moment of glory. I put her like stomach down onto the ball and just like rolled her back and forth a little bit gently and also like bounced her so that I could be like sitting on the floor. She was still getting the bounce, but like I was sitting on the floor and she like let out a good handful of like good like burps and farts and was really like calm and not screaming while doing it. So genius. I remembered a thing. I love that. Oh my gosh. There's another thing that I'm happy to forget though. (laughs) (laughs) How can you forget? That's exactly what I need as well. So that's fine. (laughs) I have to say I gave away, I had one of those exercise balls, Allison, and I gave with the moment when I gave it away to a coworker who wanted it to like sit on at work, I was so excited to get rid of it just because I, so many hours bouncing, right? Ugh. Yep. <laughs> I, I have either a genius or a fail, and I'm going to let you decide. So um, uh, this is a couple of weeks back. My other half has been away with work uh, in the US. Um, so I was uh, left alone with the two marvelous twins. And um, we had a Sunday afternoon where things were getting ratty. I was getting a bit grumpy. They were giving me some sass. And uh, eventually it got to like 5.30. We'd had like one or two um, incidents where one or both ended up on the step. And uh, we did some writing practice. And uh, it was without any help. The thing that was written to me was, Daddy, I love you even when you're grumpy. So uh, (laughs) so, so there you go. Genius or fail, you decide. That's a genius. Genius that they wrote that. They, they're very in touch with their emotions, This right? is true. They're, yeah. They are able to express themselves, which is, you know, it's all they can ask for, really, isn't it? Yeah. I, I have a, a genius one, not on my part, but on my daughter's part. I am so proud of her. She uh, came home yesterday with a medal and a certificate telling me that she got the principal's award at school. It started back in March, and it was for the third grade students to go 45 consecutive school days with zero office referrals. They completed all their homework and classwork and had a positive attitude were encouraging others and demonstrated responsibility in their attendance and their choices at school. 
And out of 139 kids, there were only 40 that did that. And she was one. So I was very proud. There you go. That is amazing. Parenting the hell out of it. Nice work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, I definitely don't think that I could identify any stretch of 45 days where I have not yeah. demonstrated positive behavior. Yeah, no, there's, there's, no, there's no medals over here. My genius for the past week is that um, I am on call at work for the week, uh, backup on call, but still, uh, if the primary person on call misses a page, then I could get paged in the middle of the night. And so we had set up a day bed in my office because, you know, if, if a page goes off in the middle of the night for like a misfiring alert of some kind in it, uh, we're all still sharing a room right now with our nine month old. And if it wakes him up, like, you know, hell would have no fury to match mine in that situation for sure. So anyway, so I've been sleeping in the office to ward against that uh, with the monitor on because he still gets up recently. It's been back to two times a night uh, for me to oh. go and feed him. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. Oh, we had like, we, we've had brief spurts of going down to one feed a night for like a few days. And, and then maybe like once every few months, there's like one eight hour stretch at night. And the first time this happened, my mom was like, Oh, yeah, you're in the clear. Like, it's only going to get better from here. Lies. 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 The biggest lie she's ever told me. (laughs) She probably forgot. That's what I'm saying. She's far enough away from it. She forgot. (laughs) I can't wait to tell awful things about my children as well about that. (laughs) Like, oh, I think you're done. <laughs> I hear myself sometimes like like when I when I have childless friends asking me about it and I hear myself being like, Yeah, I got like a four hour stretch in a row last night. It was so great and like they're they're sort of like, Okay, like going to renew my birth control now. <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, so 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 two night wake ups lately, uh one around midnight, one around three AM usually. But uh I negotiated with my husband that after the three AM wake up I would just I would go back to my office and I would just turn the monitor off. And I was I was like not responsible for anything until like after the wake up for the day and undelayable requests to be fed again. So absolutely. I'm having like a late, late morning stretch sometimes. That's been pretty helpful. I mean, sleep is sleep is the the most important currency for so long. (laughs) You know, I'm so tired. (laughs) (laughs) If it's all right, I have uh, briefly uh, both. Uh, Yes. My, my children, one defining thing about my two girls is that they are very picky eaters. So my, my fails with my younger daughter, so she's three. She's very, she's even pickier out of the two of them. And we're basically, you know, they're girls. We don't want to make like food a really big battle, frankly. And so we, and, and she's a second child. So we basically just let her eat whatever. And <laughs> we were really excited in the morning. One of the things she will eat is waffles. And I don't mean like homemade, like, you know, like freezer waffles that you put in the toaster. And we found a type, my husband found a type that she really liked. And we were so excited because she was just getting calories in her, right? And her mood is better in the mornings when she has some food in her stomach. Recently, she brought one over to me and she was like, mommy, this is so good. It's so tasty. I was like, great. I was so excited. And she was like, I really like, and she broke it open. She was, I really like there's candy inside. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> we're just fooling ourselves because they are, I believe they are cinnamon toast flavored Eggo waffles. <laughs> I mean, and we're trying to be like, it's waffles. They're sort of healthy. I'm sure there's wheat in them. Um, but, you know, from the mouth of babes, yes, we're essentially feeding our children candy. But we're like, listen, she's eating, right? But like, she knows. She knows it's candy. <laughs> and then for my older one, though, who is slightly more flexible, but it's all relative. Recently, we were talking about food and I was so tired. It had been days of me just bringing up, suggesting foods that she might like that she never tried. And her being like, she's very sweet. She wants to like them, but she just doesn't. And of her just being like, mm, I'll try it. But no, I was at the end of my rope. I just wanted her to, he- to hear her say something positive about food. And so I just closed my eyes and I looked at her and said, why don't you just describe me your perfect meal? I, it doesn't matter. It can be treats. It's fine. I just want to hear you talk about food in a positive way. And I genuinely thought she was going to say an ice cream cake with hot fudge and cotton candy or something. You know, she, she has definitely a sweet tooth. And she said to me, I did not even know she knew about these. She said, I think my perfect meal would be a cheese plate. And I was like, first off, how does a six-year-old know what cheese plate is? We do not have cheese plates at home. But from then on, and this is a few weeks ago, but I have literally every single night for dinner made her a cheese plate because to me, and I determined that this is true in her mind, cheese plate is basically little bits of food on a plate, a variety of them. And so over the last few weeks, uh, there's always cheese, obviously, on the plate, but we've snuck in meats. We have snuck in vegetables. I mean, like dried seaweed vegetables, not like fresh vegetables because dried seaweed we found out she likes. But there's literally a balance of generally nutrient-filled <laughs> foods on the plate. There's there's a carb, there's a meat, there's a protein, you know, there's a, there's a vegetable. And I guess if we just, there's always cheese and we call them a cheese plate, she will eat all of it. And there have definitely been times where I'm just like holding my breath and she just eats it. And so, literally, we may feed her cheese plates until she leaves for college. <laughs> Whatever works. Yeah. I've never thought about, like, describe your ideal meal. That's, like... That's good. That's amazing. Yeah, I was very proud. I mean, honestly, it was in a moment of frustration. I was totally ready for her to be like, nothing. I don't like any food. And I love food. My heart was breaking. <laughs> I was, Yeah. All right. So in that case, thank you very much for joining us, Abby. And thank you very much for listening. Do you want to say goodbye? Like I said, we offer childcare at all of our conferences. Our next conference is RubyConf 2018, which is going to be in Los Angeles, downtown Los Angeles, November 13th through the 15th, 2018. You can always find us at our Twitter account, which is at RubyConf. We have a little very basic information up at RuiConf.org right now. When we have our full site, there will also, of course, be all the details about childcare. And uh, we are hoping to open registration uh, in approximately August or September of this year. So you'll be able to see everything, you know, uh, closer to that time. Thanks so much to, for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. We would love to hear from you. Um, if you have any questions that you would like us to chat about on air, please email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at, at parentdrivendevelopment. And if you like what you hear and want to support us, please support us on Patreon or patreon.com slash parentdrivendev or rate us on iTunes because that helps as well. Thanks so much. 